0: So, today is definitely, um, today is Monday, but I didn't have to work. So it was more like a Sunday. Um, the Sunday is usually the day where I just lay in bed and don't really do anything, and usually something will like pop into my mind that, like, makes me feel or brings up, like, emotions, um, and I'll feel, like, sad or melancholy or or whatever, um, whatever emotion you want to attach to that, um, so I spent most of the day today just, I've been listening to the Cricket Kingdom book, um, but (laughs) I've been, like, slower than I usually would be with listening to it. Like, I've taken more breaks than I thought I would, and it's, like, 200% from anxiety of something happening to one of my two favorite characters. <laughs> my two favorite characters are Kaz, Kaz and Inej, and, um, I mean, it's a book about, like, t- taking place in, like, a fantasy world where, um, they're all a bunch of, like, young they're all, like, 17 or 18 years old, but they all were, like, abandoned when they were so young that it, they're, like, walking. They're adults, like, they're not kids, they're adults. Um, you know, they've all been traumatized or abandoned or that's both. Um, but, like, the whole book, the, the duology is them trying to, like, do this heist and then kind of the fallout from that, so, like, the whole point of the books is to put the characters in, like, dangerous situations to see, like, how they get out of it and how their, like, bonds as friends or whatever grow as the stakes get higher and higher and things like that. Like, I know that's the whole point. Like, that's why I love character-driven. I think that's why I like heist movies a lot of the time or books so far that I've read is that, like, the whole point of things like that is that, um as, like, the character development gets more and more and the characters like each other more or just are around each other more often, then, like, the stakes of what they're in is more important because you care about them more and they care about each other more, and, um, yeah, that's very- that's a character-driven book. Like, that's how you can tell when it's a really good book that's character-driven when they just, like, when the author just creates situations for the character's like, creates problems for the characters to see how they will get out of it and without somebody being hurt because they care about each other now. Um, so every time the two of them are, like, off doing something dangerous, which is all the time, I get, like, so worried that one of them is about to die or get hurt or something like that. And, um, and yeah, so that's interesting. Um, (laughs) I still am really enjoying the book, but it's definitely making the experience a little bit more anxiety-driven, um, than what it likely should be, uh, but the thing I wanted to talk about in this episode was kind of, um, like, the thing I've been thinking about today is just kind of being... frustrated I suppose about or just tired like tired of being like the cycle breaker in my family um so the just to explain that term because it sounds it sounds like I'm a character in like a science fiction novel honestly being like I'm the cycle breaker I can do this no it's not that fancy um but all it is, is that like everyone generally tends to know this term I think but the whole idea is that the the that trauma is a cycle and the whole thing of intergenerational trauma is that it's like that because it doesn't just like magically appear out of nowhere um and then without like any provocation or whatever or any like anything leading up to that and it just it doesn't happen like that like my my dad didn't suddenly just like start abusing me and my mom didn't become so like detached from reality that she like was willing to let him do that for 3 years so that she could like keep up the facade that you know they were that she wasn't married to somebody that was doing that I suppose um like that doesn't just like happen out of nowhere um like it's a whole thing where it's happened in people's families usually for generations which is called the whole thing of intergenerational trauma is that if like like the idea that like somebody's parents do it to you, and then if they don't deal with it, then they do it to their children, and then if those children don't deal with it, they do it to their children. It just keeps going on forever, um, until somebody, like, tries to, until someone finally, like, takes a stand to stop it, um, and not, and not be willing to take part in, in the cycle anymore, which is, like, the, the cycle breaker person. Like, if you, if you think of, like, a lot of, or if you look into, like, a lot of, um, families with, not just narcissists, but a lot of, a lot of families who have a lot of, um, intergenerational trauma have some narcissism or narcissistic traits, at least, attached to their family, and, um, and, like, when you look at families like that, you can kind of, You can kind of find like the the person that like the cycle breaker in each kind of family unit um like I've talked about uh I talked about the Susan Powell case before and she's a woman that disappeared um her husband definitely killed her and her husband and her husband's dad and like um, every child that, that her husband's dad had except for one was, you know, is a narcissist and they helped cover up him killing his wife. He ended up, um, also killing their two children and killing himself, um, when he was going to lose custody of them because the kids started saying that he would, he was abusing them and, and that, yeah. Um, but there's one, like, out of that family, there is one daughter of the Josh- Josh Powell was the person's name that, um, killed his wife and then killed his kids. There is, um, one daughter- one sister of his that is seen as, like, the traitor or whatever from the family because she, like, left the family and doesn't take part in anything that her dad- um, like, he doesn't, she doesn't let him manipulate her, he's, she's, like, the one, like, the only one, like, as, the, the way to look at her was, like, as soon as, um, like, the day that Susan Powell, like, Josh's wife, um, disappeared, like, somebody from the daycare showed up at their house because they, uh, she didn't drop off the two, their two kids, and it, um, and then they called her at work and she hadn't come to work that day and they knew that that wasn't normal for her so like the daycare worker like called the police and they went to the house and as soon as like the police called and said that they're trying to get a hold of um, her brother and they couldn't get a hold of her because they couldn't find his wife like she was immediately like what did you do to her and knew that he had killed her and done something um and like another one that I can think of from true crime is, like, the Alyssa Turney case, which is one where uh, she was... She, quote-unquote, disappeared when she was 17. Her dad came to pick her up on her last day of high school early, which is weird because they let you out of high school early anyway on the last day. Or, or they were doing that at her high school on the last day. She, like, supposedly, or like, wrote this note saying that she was, like, going, running away to California to see, like, her aunt and... um but, like, the aunt said she, like, never came to see her, she never called her, she never contacted her, no one ever saw her again, um, and, like, that case is known because the sister, her sister, Alyssa's younger sister that was only 12 when she, um, disappeared has been trying to get, um, her dad, like, put on trial for killing her sister, and it's finally happening now, but her sister, Sarah Turney, She has a podcast all about Alyssa's case called Voices for Justice. She did- she started a TikTok to try to get attention from, like, the media and stuff because, um, Phoenix police refused to- they just didn't do anything because I think they literally did jack shit for eight years. They didn't even come to the, like, the day that her dad called the- that, like, Alyssa disappeared. And her dad called the, po- called the police to say that she, like, ran away. They didn't even come to the house to, like, interview him or, like, make sh- or ask any questions. Like, the dude had, like, he recorded every phone, all their phone calls. He had, a, like, a video camera hidden in their living room and, like, security cameras all around the house. So they could have looked to see if there was video of her leaving or whatever. And they never, they never did anything with her case for eight years. <laughs> until they suddenly popped up eight years later and were like i we're pretty sure that your dad killed your sister and like told sarah that so sarah is the cycle breaker in that family like because she is even she has other brothers that are sure that her dad killed her sister but because she's like fighting publicly to get him like convicted for it her brothers won't talk to her and nobody else in her family will talk to her like sexual abuse has been, like, part of, like, her dad's family for generations. It's just how it tends to work. Um, like, that kind of abuse has been- I don't- honestly don't know where that kind of abuse- what kind of abuse is present in my dad's family. Um, I know what kind of abuse was present in my mom's family because she told me, but, um, but, like- my dad's side of the family I would imagine just from how how his dad was like that his dad was like very like straight laced and followed the rules and he was like in the military when he was young when like his dad was in the military during World War II and he told me that like he would he gave like him and his oldest brother Jim like all this shit when they were when they were, like, in the 60s and they wanted to, like, grow their hair longer than you would when you're, like, in the army because, because they liked how the Beatles did it. He, he like, thought rock music was evil and, uh, yeah, he was just, like, he just seemed like a strict person. So somebody like that I could see, especially the time that my dad was a kid, I can definitely see him, like, beating the, trying to beat the crap out of him. Um to show that he was, like, you know, controlling my dad. Because my dad was my dad. He doesn't like to... He never liked to listen to anybody who was ever an authority figure telling him what to do. Like, if someone told him what to do, he would just go and do the opposite. So, um, yeah, I can imagine him being like that when he was a kid, too. That's, like, just my guess. But I honestly don't know because nobody from, like... I don't talk to, really, his side of the family... And I have one aunt that I kind of talk to from that side of the family, but I'm not going to sit there and ask about their family history like that. Like, unless somebody just, like, volunteers that information to me, I'm probably not going to know what exactly it is on his side. But it's really hard and exhausting, honestly, to be, like, the one that breaks the family cycle. Because, like, part of it is, like, I don't know how people don't, and I know what I just said, like, contradicts itself, but that's kind of the whole, that kind of happens, but, um, but I don't know, I honestly don't know, like, it, I can't even fathom, like, having gone, like, through the abuse that I did, and turning around, and, and doing it to like anyone else much less like a child that i brought into the world i can't imagine doing that to anybody much less like someone that i created and brought into the world like they didn't have a choice about being born when they were born or what family they were born i just can't imagine ever like perpetuating any of the abuse that was ever done to me like it just seems it's never entered my mind and I remember when I was one of the last couple days when I was in treatment my therapist said like he pointed out like that that's what I was that I was the one breaking the cycle and that and he explained like there's two options like you can either like some people feel like because this happened to me I want to almost do the same thing to somebody else so that I'm not the only one who went through all of this like pain and stuff and want to like almost like not torture but like purposely ruin someone because I was ruined like in a like revenge that's the word I'm thinking of like in a, a weird like twisted revenge kind of thing like this was done to me by my family and I uh, am like my child is innocent and like hasn't had their their childhood ruined so I'm going to ruin it on purpose because I don't want to be the only one who went through that I want to like pass that pain on to like take it out on somebody else so that so that It's, like, a whole, like, defiant, like, how dare you think that you get to have a good childhood when mine was shit, so I'm gonna make sure to ruin yours, too. It's really messed up, but that's, like, how it tends to go, and it's also one of the things that just, if you never deal with the things that happened to you, you're just going to repeat what was done to you, because it's just all you know. Like, if all, like, if all I ever knew was Um, Two parents that are narcissists and don't know how to communicate, don't validate anybody's feelings, don't, like, give you any empathy or um, make you feel loved or give you, like, affection or anything like that and just neglect you and then use you and to, like, make them feel better about themselves. And I never... (sighs) like dealt with the fact that I don't know how to communicate with people and I'm scared of everyone and and all the kind of issues that I've dealt with in therapy so far then like those issues are never going to get fixed they're just going to get worse because I haven't figured out I haven't dealt with any of them like that's normal to me so I'm just going to keep doing it over and over again even if I don't actively abuse like or have any kids or whatever I'm gonna be alone and isolated for the rest of my life because I don't because I don't know how to I don't realize that I'm like pushing every single person away from me and treating them horribly because that's the only thing that I know um so when you like break the cycle it's I can't imagine not doing it, but, like, I know that... Obviously, I know that people don't. Because it's easier to not go to therapy and confront all the things that you've done to, like, deal with, like, the, the trauma that you went through and confront... And it's easier not to confront your family about the things that they did that really hurt you and act like it's not there. But it's really lonely and, like, really, really lonely, um, because usually the whole, how the whole, like, cycle breaking process tends to go is that once you start confronting your family members about what they've done to you, or you just start putting up boundaries around them that you're not willing to let them walk all over you anymore, and, or take part in, like, their, kind of narcissistic manipulations or just any kind of manipulations that they try to do to you um people get mad and they don't like it that you're doing that um they don't like actually thinking about why they do the things that they do because they never dealt with the abuse that they went through either that's why they did it to you so they don't like it so tends to be a super lonely, isolating experience because you go from having a family to having nobody. Um, because it's just tends to be how it is, is that if you're the only one of your family that's willing to confront the, like, super harsh truths of what, like, not just your parents, but, like, their parents did to them, um, and, like, their brothers and sisters and the fact that people probably had some idea that something bad was happening but nobody helped you when you're going through it that's really hard and so most of the time when you are the one that breaks the cycle you don't have like a family anymore after you become that after you start doing the trauma work and stuff because it just tends to be how it tends to go, is that they don't want to have to deal with the realities of, um, the choices that they've made, and the choices that, like, their parents made, and their parents' parents made. They just would rather not think about it. But you're forcing them to, so they just get mad at you, or say that, you know, the things that, like, my my mom told my sister early on was that, like, my therapist, like, brainwashed me against her and things like that. Um, so that's the kind of stuff they think instead of thinking that, you know, what you're saying is the truth. Um, so it's a really isolating, lonely experience because, like, look at, like, my family was somewhat different in the fact that, um, we didn't really see, like, our outside family a lot, but that's, that also can happen because, when there's abuse like this, you're usually pretty isolated from family, but, like, at least in my situation, we didn't see my dad's side of family very often because, um, because, uh, my dad, like, pushed all of those people away from him, and so there was always that, like, weirdness that they weren't really around for a long time, and when he, like, really needed and when we really needed help trying to get him into a nursing home they hadn't been in his life for a long time so they didn't really help a lot then because they had already been gone from his life for a while by then and so there's still like it's this weird complicated thing with my dad's side of the family where i understand why they weren't around because my dad was horrible but at the same time i'm also like but you left us like to just like you you knew how bad he was where you like took yourself away from him so because he always ruined every good time but then you like left all of us alone with him and didn't think about that or and also that when he wasn't like that anymore when he had dementia and could barely even speak and he really and we needed help getting him into a place into a nursing home that could really give him the care that he needed Like, they weren't there to, like, help, and it was really frustrating because most of my dad's side of the family is, has, like, um, a good amount of money, and so they could have probably afforded to, between them, to pay for, like, a nursing home until he could have gotten, like, the, it paid for by the state, or they could have paid, like, the difference, because they are well off enough to do that, but they just um weren't willing to do that. And so that was really hard. Um to know that they could have helped him instead of him being at home with my mom where when he shouldn't have been, he needed he needed like skilled care from a nurse who knew how to deal with people who had dementia. Like granted he did get that help eventually when he ended up going to the hospital with cancer. (laughs) Um but still like that was hard And then with my mom's side of the family they just like didn't live around here They weren't around like um, my like I have one aunt that lives in Chicago that we would see regularly um, but other than and I still talk to her I, I like her still and I still talk to her but the rest of them um, one lived in California one lived on the west coast or East the rest of them mostly lived on the East Coast. Um, another aunt lives in Denver, but we, like, never see any of them. So we are already pretty isolated. So, but, I, but still, like, I have most of those, like, cousins and stuff, especially on my mom's side of the family. I have them all on social media. And um, uh, now I don't. And so, it's, like, a a whole thing of, like, I can't see most of my dad's side of the family because it's really triggering and I don't want to see them. I can't see my mom's side of the family because it's my mom's family. And I don't even know, like, what they, what they even know about how I've, like, disappeared from their lives. Um, Like, I know my Aunt Sarah knows, but, because I've told her, but she also said she wouldn't tell anybody else unless I said that it was okay so um I haven't told her that it's okay for her to tell anybody else so I know that she hasn't so um it's just like I decided that it wasn't okay that my dad raped me and that my mom let like let that happen and I didn't want her to gaslight me and try to make me think that the memories that I still had hung on to weren't real and that they were just a dream and because of that because I finally stood up for myself I lost like basically everyone on my mom's side of the family and my dad's side of the family and my mom the only person I talked to I have one aunt on each side of the family that I like email back and forth and my sister but that's it and so it's a super lonely experience because like like for example this Christmas um like this Christmas when my mom was exposed to COVID and saw Cassie before she realized that she was I my Christmas was ruined where I had to spend Christmas all of Christmas Eve and stuff by myself and but she already had seen my sister like they already were exposed so their Christmas wasn't ruined so I had to spend a Christmas Eve like the whole Christmas holiday time alone and I basically spent like I saw my sister yesterday for like two hours and that was the first time I've seen her since before Christmas and um I spent all this time by myself but like essentially my Christmas was, was essentially ruined, but, but theirs weren't, like, my sister still got to spend Christmas with my mom, and she also, like, went to her boyfriend's family Christmas too, um, but it's, like, so, that's why it's so, it's so hard, and it's so isolating and lonely, because, like, everyone else usually in your family still sees each other and they still talk to each other and um their lives have kept going and they haven't been interrupted like yours has like my uncle Jimmy still sees my my sister as much as he used to see us the both of us i'm just taken out of that equation now i haven't seen him in person in years and i honestly don't know if i even want to but um and, like, my cousins on my dad's side of the family, like, one of them got married and had a kid, and some of their parents, like, added me on, on Facebook, which is weird, but, um, and, like, the cousins on my mom's side of the family, I've seen little things here or there about things that they're doing on social media, um, through, like, um, I think I've, I've have those cousins still on Facebook, so I, like, barely use Facebook so I see things sometimes over what they're doing but it's a really weird experience where your life has completely and totally changed like my life is completely different like I for holidays now it's usually just I know that it's usually just going to be me and that I don't have really anybody to spend holidays with anymore and I used to have like family traditions I don't have those anymore and um I just don't have like family like that That I can, that I can, um, like fall back on, I guess. Just why it's so, it's a very lonely experience because you're doing what's right for you. Like, I can't handle, I could never handle being around my mom or anybody in her family or being around my dad's family because it would just bring up all of those feelings of, um, just everything that happened. But sometimes I get but sometimes I get really sad that I'm even having to be in this position in the first place because what I what I'm asking for isn't a lot. Like I think that's the thing that makes it the hardest when you're the one that like breaks the cycle in the family because I'm not asking for, like, huge revelations to happen because I know that that likely won't happen anymore. Like, with my mom, um, like, anything is possible, but she's lived this way of her life for almost 65 years at this point, I think, so it's less likely for somebody to, uh, be willing to admit all of the mistakes they've made and things like that at that age, especially at that age. Um, cause like all I was ever asking for was for her to admit that, you know, that she didn't, that she didn't protect me, that she made mistakes and to not act like it didn't happen, to not try to convince me or not try to minimize it and act like it wasn't that bad when it was that bad and I I can't get even get that so it's like we're not even asking for a lot but what we're asking for is personal like um, accountability and a lot of times in families like this they're just not willing to do that because it, then they have to look at the decisions they've made and realize is, realize that they've made a lot they made a lot of mistakes that hurt people that um, didn't deserve it and they don't want to think about that so today was one of those days where it's just it can just be really hard sometimes to think about how like everyone else is like on both sides of of my family. It's a lot of people on both sides of the family that everyone else's lives have just continued on like normal while mine has been like completely upended and that I didn't even and it's hard because we aren't doing anything wrong um like we're not doing this to hurt someone like something was was done to us and we're acknowledging the fact that that happened but like, I didn't do anything wrong by bringing this stuff up. I'm just bringing things up that was wrong, that was done to me a long time ago, but bringing it up is not the thing that's wrong. The action itself is what is wrong, but because we're bringing stuff up that people don't want to think about or talk about or act like really happened... Um, because it's easier not to have to confront that stuff. Um, like, we're the ones that ends up usually getting, like, boxed out. And it's- it's really hard sometimes. Like, I saw my sister for a couple hours yesterday and... Whenever we talk about anything with our childhood... Um, when I was growing up, like, when I was a teenager into, like, my 30s until I went back to therapy... I was the one that was always defending our mom and when my sister would be like mom is so like mom does this and this and this and that's not good I would always try to defend her because I just couldn't see I literally could not deal with the idea that my mom also did things that were really bad because I desperately wanted her to be good I guess because of everything that I went through with my dad and I didn't want Like, that memory that I always had of me telling her, like, I never, I didn't want, I didn't want it to be true that I told her something like that and she didn't do anything. So I, I had to, like, hold on to the fact that she was, you know, this, a good person like I thought she was, even though that was not true. But I had, I held on to that as long as I possibly could. Um but now we swapped like now when I if I ever bring up anything to do with our parents my mom my sister always defends them to the death like yesterday she was arguing with me about about the fact about how if my dad was angry um when they were getting divorced and it's like of course he was um we were talking about, like, uh, someone that she knew that was worried about going to custody and saying, like, and I said, like, dad was, like, out of control and angry and screaming. He didn't even have an attorney to work for him and he was still able to get joint custody, so this person that isn't doing any of that is definitely going to get joint custody. And my sister was, like, arguing with me being, like, no, dad wasn't like that when they got divorced. Like, he just accepted it, da 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 And, like, that's not true at all like I feel like she has to know somewhere inside of her body that that's not true but she's like turned into like my parents ultimate defender um now that I'm just being honest about how shitty things were because she doesn't want to have to deal with she's not ready to deal with how bad things were because that's not easy to think about um so like I love my sister a lot but that's like something that's still hard because I just I just need to stop mentioning them when I'm around her because she always ends up just she doesn't do it I think with like vindictiveness it's just by default it's like a reaction where she always feels the need to defend them now like I used to always try to defend my mom all the time before and I just need to stop um mentioning them around her because every time she always defends them and then I always end up getting hurt um especially when I'm like back at home by myself and I'm thinking about it later I always end up getting hurt that she was defending them to especially considering the time period we are talking about um but either way like no matter what it is she always defends them and it always like sucks that that happens Um, but yeah, it's just, when you're the one that breaks the cycle, you, like, lose your entire family, basically, for your own well-being, but you still end up, that still ends up happening to you, and I know that you, everyone who's gone through that has talked about how they find people that turn into, like, their own, their, like, found family that becomes, like, the family that they have. Um, I know that's going to happen for me. It just hasn't happened yet. Like, I've had people that I thought were, like, that found family that I realized in the last year aren't that. So it's, right now, I'm in, like, that weird place where it's just really lonely, um, and isolating most of the time. Like, I'm okay being alone by myself most of the time, but it's also just hard knowing that, um... Like, the- like, that the only person I'm gonna see for my birthday this year is, um, is my sister and her boyfriend because the, like, like, the three to four other friends that I had that I spent that went with us for my birthday stuff last year aren't my friends anymore. Um, and I haven't been able to find new people yet to replace those people. And, like, I know I'm going to one day- but it's hard for right now to not to feel like I don't have anybody. That's always the thing that bothers me when I get in these kind of moods that I didn't want, I don't want to be isolated anymore. Um, like I like being alone in my apartment and having time by myself and my cats and whether, when it's quiet and being able to just relax and, you know, listen to audiobooks or watch movie- watch videos on YouTube or do art or whatever I want to do. Like, I need that time, but I also want to be able to leave my apartment sometimes and see other people. Um, and granted with COVID, I wouldn't be able to do that even if I had people right now, but it's more the fact that I don't have people to do that with right now. Even if COVID wasn't happening, I still wouldn't be able to do that because I don't have anybody like that anymore. Um... And that's hard because it just, I just always think, like, what if I really need help and my sister and her boyfriend go to, like, his family get-together stuff and she's not around? There wouldn't be anybody, there wouldn't be any, there wouldn't be anyone to help me Um, because she's the only one. That's, it's just not a nice thought to have. And I know that it's, like, because I'm in this, like, weird in-between time where I became, like, the cycle breaker in a way. I set myself apart from my family and are am trying to gain my independence, but, um, and I haven't found, like, the new family that I'll create for myself yet one day, but when you're in, like, this kind of place just thinking about everything that's happened to you, it's hard, it's really hard to swallow that. Sometimes that you're the one that was, like, I didn't ask to be abused by my parents. Um, They decided to do that to me because they didn't deal with their own problems. Um, And because, but because I was, and I am not willing to do that to anybody else, or ignore what was done to me anymore, I, like, don't have anybody, um, like, I think a lot of the the friends that I lost was because I finally, like, stood up for myself and wasn't willing to put up with, I, like, I said this before, like, at the end of the year, but, like, I have standards, I'm not codependent where I feel like I need somebody to be there just to have somebody there, um, I don't want that anymore, Like, I want someone who, who cares just as much about me as I care about them, and it's an equal partnership kind of thing. I don't want friends that are there just because these are the people that happen to still care about me, even though they don't treat me the best all the time. Um, so, like, I, that's all I was, it's hard when you're just asking for, like, just decency from people and they're not willing to give it to you because they've they're it's one of those weird things where I have a lot of empathy for these people too like even the friends that aren't friends with me anymore I have a lot of empathy for a lot of those people from basically all of them because they're all going through their own stuff and um, are dealing with a lot, but it's like, but it's like I have empathy for you, but I, but it doesn't change the fact that you made, you decided to make decisions that hurt me, and I am not willing to put up with that anymore. And so, here I am. Um. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I guess if you're one of these people. Like, if you're the one that's breaking the cycle from your family and you're feeling really sad and lonely and isolated and depressed because, or if any of your feelings land anywhere in there or even, like, really angry, that happens too. Um, Like, if you're feeling any of that because you're going through all of this stuff and losing all these people from your life, because you're not willing to put up with um, people not treating you right anymore, you're not alone. Like if you look up cycle breakers, there's a lot of people on Twitter and Instagram and stuff that have accounts that talk about how strong we are, and that's like the crazy thing is that we're so we have to be so strong and resilient constantly because of because of everything that everything that happened to us before like we got through all of that somehow and now we're also going through losing people that we love because and like dealing with all of the emotions from what happened to us like it's not easy it's not even though i've made a lot of progress in therapy it's not like because i've made progress every day I'm happy. Like, things still come up sometimes that bother you. It's just that you have a way of handling it now instead of it's careening you into, like, a deep depression or whatever your unhealthy coping mechanism happened to be. Um, but it's always kind of this ongoing struggle because, like, every year around, like, your birthday or the holidays or whatever days throughout the year that makes you think of things you used to do with your family or the friends they you used to have, um, it's always difficult going through all that stuff and just not having people to, like, back you up. Like, right now, I always think about how when I started getting treatment, like, even when I first went to my primary doctor, I got, like, my first antidepressant, and every psychologist... Every psychiatrist and psychotherapist that I've ever talked to, and when I was at the treatment, going through the treatment center that I did, they always ask to find out like the people that are your like, um, that are your support, like how many people you have around you for that would support you to be there. That because when you're really in it, they're like worry about you know suicidal ideations or just you having people around you that will check on you and make sure that you're okay or support you or whatever like everybody needs like a kind of circle of people around them to help support them with whatever they're going through and it's hard right now because my like if somebody if I went to like a new psychiatrist and they asked me who that would be the only person I would be able to give would be my sister and that's it um And that's, like, sometimes, it's just hard. Sometimes the whole idea, like, of fighting all the time and, uh, um, like, standing up for yourself gets exhausting.